Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is our 150th episode called Chelsea F. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code Alley 15 you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Alley 15 ali 15 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. All right, guys. So today I am talking to Chelsea, who is part of a same-sex couple, and she's going to tell us about how she and her wife have been trying to grow their family since January 2020. So like so many others, they were derailed by COVID, and today she's going to tell us all about the rest of her story, which includes seven failed IUIs, seven guys being diagnosed with unexplained infertility and their first failed round of IVF. And then she's also going to talk about what happened and why they had to use three different sperm donors. I didn't realize this, but there was a donor sperm shortage in 2020, which makes sense. So she's going to tell us about that and how it complicated things. And then she's going to tell us where she is today. There's a little bit of a twist ending. So definitely stick around to the end. Thanks so much to Chelsea. Thank you to you guys. And without further ado, this is Chelsea's infertility story. Chelsea. Let's get into this. Tell me everything. (laughs) No, I want to hear, you know, from the beginning, your story. Did you always want to have kids? Yes. I I know you always ask this question. Um, a little bit and I was like, there's not a time in my life that I can remember not wanting to have kids. So even from eight years old, (laughs) I think I've always seen myself as a mom. So really, did you want to have a big family or what did you have in mind? Like dream scenario? No, I grew up, you know, I just have one sister and I think that's that's always been nice to have sort of a smaller family. Um, since then, my dreams have expanded a little bit to maybe more like three, but that may change after, you know, <laughs> I know what parenting actually feels like. So, okay. So growing up, did you know much about fertility or like your fertility or like how that all was going to work? You know, we talk a lot about sex education and lack thereof. It's oh, a great question. So my parents were very young when they had me. Um, and then my sister came three years later, but they were, I think my dad was 21. Um, my mom was like 23, 24. So they always really beat into our heads kind of the order of things. So they were very much like you go to college, then you get married, then you think about having kids. And that mantra was just told to us always, there was not a whole lot of education around anything else. (laughs) It was more like a, don't even think about sex (laughs) or anything like that, or family planning before you have, you know, started these things in your life. So I think that they had some, maybe some trauma for them themselves, you know, as I've gotten older and can look back on that. Everything else was pretty standard. It was, you know, fourth grade, seventh grade. And that was kind of it of learning how things work. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as far as, yeah, kind of fertility goes, I think because my parents had us so young, I always assumed it would just be easy. You know, my sister had a baby five years ago. 
not really on purpose. Um, and so I also assumed like, okay, there's a lot of good, you know, <laughs> good signs here that my fertility should also be pretty, pretty good. So mm-hmm. didn't really think much of it as we were going into things. So. Okay. So when you first reached out to me, you wrote me an email talking about you and your wife's fertil- infertility journey. Mm-hmm. So um, when did you know that you were interested in women? Oh my gosh, probably very early to be honest. Um, but I didn't let myself acknowledge it until I was more like 20. Mm. Uh, so a little bit later and yeah, as soon as I came out kind of, <laughs> I've just been very out since. Um, so yeah. That was, was there a turn, a specific turning point when you felt more comfortable with your sexuality and like coming out? I know we could do a whole nother episode probably on, <laughs> on that. You know, what was that yeah. process like coming, you know, coming out for you and finally being, being able to live how you wanted to and who, being who you were or who you are. Yeah. So I'm from Indiana. So I grew up in a pretty conservative, um, my, my family's not particularly conservative, but the surroundings certainly were. So I was never around queer people ever. And I, I think, you know, my knowledge of, of anyone who's queer is really pretty limited and pretty stereotypical mm. um, until, so I, when I was in college, I worked at a, um, a summer camp in Western Massachusetts for a couple of summers. And that was the first time that I was around anyone who was queer and young and <laughs> cool. And, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just an where I was like, oh my goodness, like I can be who I am. And, you know, it, it took a minute to get there, but sure. it was like being around those people that really made me feel comfortable. I think being, being who I am. Fully. Yeah. So, that's awesome. So how did you meet your wife? We, it's not the most romantic um, love story, but we met on a <laughs> dating app. <laughs> okay. But it worked for us. So. Did you guys start texting or, you know, did you meet in person or like, what was, what was it like at the very beginning? We, so I I snagged her in a, I think it's a funny way. So she had on her profile that she was a speech pathologist, um, pediatric speech pathologist. My grandmother is actually kind of a superstar in that field. So she was, she was kind of a pioneer in that field in a lot of ways. Um, I I name dropped my... (laughs) my grandma, my initial um, message to her. So we kind of started talking that <laughs> That's <way>. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I don't know if she has any idea that that, that happened, but your grandma, um, <laughs> but she would be all about it if she did. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, so that was how we kind of started talking. And then, um, yeah, I was just texting from there. Um, and we, we didn't actually go on a date for like, I think it was a month or six weeks or something, but after that, it was pretty Fast and furious. Okay. So when did you guys start talking about building a family together? (laughs) On on our second date. Awesome. (laughs) Which is hilarious. So she asked me, which is funny. um, She was like, do you ever want to get married? Do you want to have kids? You know, and I said, I wasn't sure how to take that question because we barely knew each other. Um, But I was very honest. I was like, yes, I do want both of those things. And at the time, she actually was a little on the fence about both, um, about marriage and, and kids. But um, she's since very much changed her tune about that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. So when you talked about that, what did you think that that would look like for you guys? You know, obviously same sex couples have to go, you know, kind of assisted reproductive technology or some other means of yeah. having kids. So what did you guys, how did that look for you? You know, I thought I knew at the time, uh, I had a very different picture, I think of what it actually ended up looking like, and not just because we ended up, you know, having fertility issues, but really my vision was always like artificial insemination. We would have a rosy time picking out a donor and it would be such a nice, like, you know, <laughs> beautiful activity to get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would, you, 
did you think it would be a donor that you knew or like a anonymous or what did you have in mind? No, I, you know, we've gotten, we get so many honestly strange questions sometimes about that and about that's a a whole part of the process that we could also talk about forever. But, Mm -hmm. um, in my mind, I never really wanted to use a, a known donor. Even some of my best friends, I just felt like it has way too much potential to make a complicated relationship. Um, so yeah, that mm-hmm. was my, my thoughts on it. Okay. So what happened when you guys started to go down that road? Well, we, so we got married in October of 2019. Um, and we knew we wanted to start pretty fast after that. So we identified the clinic we wanted to use, which is an hour away from where we live. Even though Are you still in Indiana? No, I, um, we're in Michigan. Okay. So, yep. So we live in Lansing and um, the clinic that we've been going through is at U of M, which is the best, you know, in the state. So we made an appointment there and our first appointment was February of 2020. Um, so you can probably see where this is going. Um, so we had our first appointment. It was great. Um, we loved the doctor. He was fantastic. Loved the clinic, everything about it. And we did all the initial testing and all of that. Um, and we had made a plan. So um, I everything looked great for me. There was no nothing of concern, except I was on um, like a migraine preventative that I obviously couldn't take while I was trying to conceive. So I had to wean off of that because it's kind of an intense, intense med. So the plan was for us to start in March. (laughs) So March of 2020, nothing notable happened at that time in the world, did it? Wait, sorry, Chelsea, can we back up a little bit? So how did you guys decide who was going to be like the carrier out of the two of you? Did we, you didn't talk about that? Yeah. So I'm actually five years older than my wife. So, um, I was 34 when we first started trying. Um, so I was having all sorts of age panic. Um, and so that was a pretty easy decision really from the start. So our plan is actually for us both to carry. Um, Got it. Yeah. So that's, that's our, our dream. So hopefully that happens for us. Okay. So you were like, I'll do it first cause I'm older and then she <laughs> will do it again. If you know, you are, if it happens a second time, correct. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So March, 2020, everything, you know, world is great. Nothing, nothing to see here. (laughs) No. Yeah. So we truly were about to make our first appointment. And then the clinic was like, hi, we're not doing anything for anyone uh, right now. (laughs) So we just kind of put everything on hold. And and I will say the second that I found out that they had stopped um, all sorts of treatments, I was very grateful that we were not, that we had not already started. It was, it kind of worked out well in that way. Um, even mm-hmm. though it, it pushed our timeline quite a bit. Um, I was, I was very glad that we weren't in the middle because I can't imagine, you know, we'll get to this, but eventually we were going through IVF and I cannot imagine being in the middle of that. Um, right. So it's not I, like your stuff got really canceled. It just kind of got derailed. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's easier, just, a little easier to take. Yeah. So we were like, you know, we're going to focus on health and supplements and learning everything. So we did that. Our clinic didn't reopen until I think July. Um, it was, was quite a while. So at that point, you know, had definitely decided on our donor and all of that. Um, so we decided to set up our first IUI and we were very hopeful. We had that in early August of 2020 and that one failed. Mm, um, so sorry. Yeah. You know, at that time though, that was okay. We were like prepared. Um, we were like, all right, like we knew this was probably going to happen. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did our doctors initially started me without any kind of medication or anything. Um, they were that hopeful in <laughs> my ability to get pregnant. 
Um, and they wanted us to try three IUI cycles with nothing. But I, I really pushed for that because I was like, you know, I want this to happen fast, you know, as fast as it can. So we, I did get them to start me on Clomid um, for our third, I think it was our third IUI cycle. And that obviously added a whole lot of new elements. I over-responded to that. So we had a few different canceled cycles because I had like five and six <laughs> follicles. So we had to really dial back that med, which that felt promising. Honestly, it was like, well, my goodness, clearly this isn't the issue. And that was not the case. So we had, I think, two different tries where we had four mature follicles that were ready to go and both of those failed. So we did a total of seven IUIs, which is a lot. But it is a lot. It is. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have regrets at this point, but I think in retrospect, you know, the data does show that that probably probably should have stopped maybe a little bit earlier, but um, our doctors were just so hopeful and they were so like, there's nothing here. (laughs) There's nothing that should be, you know, making this not work. Um, So we were really listening to that. But after the the seventh one, you know, we had decided, okay, it's time for, you know, to look at something else here. And, you know, that sounds like, as I'm talking about it, it sounds so short, like that sounds so fast and it was right. But oh my gosh, that's a was... long process. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about, you know, I love to get into the emotional stuff always and how it affected your relationship. How were you guys yeah. dealing with all this? That's, a, you know, you're putting your body through a lot. You're putting your relationship through a lot. What was it like, you know, behind closed doors? You know, there was a lot going on last year, obviously. So my wife works in healthcare and was, you know, doing that through the pandemic, which is extraordinarily stressful on her. Um, and then by proxy me. So we, we already had strain because of that. And then going through this was also just an enormous amount of stress, not to mention this was our, you know, our first year <laughs> of marriage. Um, right. So there was a lot to be going through. I think at the same time, we also had a massive house remodel that we were not expecting. We had, you know, like a house disaster that happened um, right oh, no. at the beginning of the pandemic as well. So just so much stress all at the same time. But I think, you know, honestly, until we got to the IVF side of things, we really were doing very well. Like we were really working as a team and I felt like it was really bringing us closer. I think the longer that this has been drawn out for us, the harder it's been on us. And Mm -hmm. the more we've both been kind of processing on our own and um, having our own different experiences with everything. Um, And it's hard. Like sometimes it's hard to, to connect about it when it's like, you don't know my experience. Like you don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what you're feeling exactly. Um, and yeah, so we've had some, I don't know, like some tension and just some times where we've been really snippy with each other for no reason. <laughs> and, you know, and have had to kind of come back together and be like, we need to reset here. We're clearly both having a hard time. Um, just kind of, yeah, going from there. So it has been mm-hmm. it has been hard for sure. Did you did you guys have any friends, you know, same sex couple friends who were going through this as well, or anybody that you could count on or any sort of support in terms of community? Yeah. So we have it's it's been interesting. And I don't know if everyone has this experience, but so we do have a few friends. Um quite a few have been trying to conceive around the same time, some who are um also same sex couples and some who are um hetero couples. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's always been a little bit challenging to know how to talk to people about this. So Mm -hmm. I think 
you know, for the people who it happened quickly for them, it's hard for me to like, feel like I'm going to come in with my (laughs) depressing story all the time and always be like, hi, I'm still the one that this isn't working for. And totally. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And like watch people's compassion turn to like this sad pity. And you're like, I don't, I don't need that right now. And right. Yeah. Like you're trying to be helpful, but it's, (laughs) it's like, I don't need you to just feel so sad for me. Uh (laughs) Um, And so that that's been tricky of like trying to figure out who I feel like I can talk to without feeling like it's going to totally bring their day down. And then, you know, the friends that we have that are going through this too, like, I know for me, every day is different. And so like, there are days where if somebody was coming to me and telling me about how they're having a hard time, like I might not be able to take it. Right. Like, it's just, I don't know. So, so that's been hard, a hard dance. I think of like finding people consistently. Right. Yeah. To be for any same sex couples who might be listening though, is there, are there any like good groups out there that they can look into or like anywhere that you found that you wish you would have known about sooner? So that's part, you know, we, you and I connected on Instagram. Um, and that's part of why we started our Instagram. So when yeah. we started looking into all this, um, there were so few resources that we were readily able to find, um, for same sex couples specifically, like, the mechanics are basically the same. Um, you know, it's not, not like there's anything groundbreaking there, but there is a difference in experience, I think. Yeah. Um, so Instagram has really been our best way of connecting with people. So there are quite a few accounts. Um, I can't even think of any right off the top of my head, but there are quite a few people that we've been able to kind of follow their stories and, you know, have it be a little bit less personal, but then also be connecting with, you know, people out in the world who are, who are having a similar experience. And that's been just, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine going through it without that. So, right. Are there any good like hashtags or anything that people can search for or anything that worked for you? I don't, we've, I mean, we followed like hashtag two moms. I think that that's been a, a good one of uh-huh. connecting with people because every, almost every, you know, same sex couple has had to go through some form of fertility assistance. Um, so that's been a good way to find, find some people. And yeah, it's really just kind of like escalated from there. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So what happened next with you guys? Yeah. So we, I think it was, um, April of 2021 that we had just had our seventh failed IUI. And that was the one that we had, we, we had the vials left so that we kind of were like, we'll just try it. And it didn't work. So we, you know, talked with our doctors and and decided that IVF was probably the way to go for us, Mm -hmm. Um, which I had, I won't lie. Um, I had my own grief about that. I think, for so many reasons. And again, I'm sure this isn't a unique experience, but it, as you say, it's the the worst club with the best members. It's yeah. not a great time. And I, I was not, I was not looking forward to it. And it was something that even early on, I, I knew like, I don't want to do this. Like it, it's just, it seems terrible. Right. Were you in, at this point, it's still you who's going to be the carrier. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. I think one of the other huge things that I, I can't leave out here is that I, my insurance coverage has been amazing. And mm. unfortunately I have weird guilt about that, but that's enabled us in a lot of ways to really continue to pursue, pursue this for us. So mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Definitely still hasn't been cheap. Um, you know, for right. us, the cost of sperm alone has been probably over 10 to $12,000. I would wow. say. Wow. Yeah. Out of pocket, so out of pocket. Yeah. So okay. that's been, that's been rough, but, uh-huh. um, but yeah, so we, we decided that we were going to try that and give it all we had and and whatever. So yeah. So we moved forward and had the egg retrieval in, in June of this year and it went well. 
I have so much respect for people who go through this over and over because it is so incredibly hard. Yeah. Wait, let me talk about, I was rereading the email that you sent. You talked about you used three different sperm donors because there was a donor sperm shortage in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Is that because of COVID? Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, yeah. So there was obviously a halt of people donating. Right. Uh, and so it was, it was interesting. So uh, Every donor that we tried to use twice, we had donors who ran out of vials. Wow. Because people were just buying it up like crazy. And we couldn't, we were not in a position to buy like, you know, 10 vials up front or whatever. So we, we did not do that. So yeah. So it's been that whole process of deciding on a donor is, I mean, wild. And so having to do that three times was, um, yeah, I, I wish we had <laughs> been able to kind of stick with one, but exactly. Yeah. You don't think about that as one of the other side effects of COVID, you know, like the sperm, <laughs> the great sperm shortage of 2020. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, not, not to make light of it. I know this is painful for you guys, but you know, you got to find levity where you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. It did make it hard. I think, cause you know, you get your heart set on this one donor and you're like, right. This this is our family. This is what we're, you know, and then for that to just be taken away is like, okay. (laughs) Absolutely. And were there going back to just choosing the donor? Cause I think a lot of people have questions about this. What were some of the specific things that you guys were looking for? Like, obviously people look at health and all that, but did it get very specific for you or with the shortage? Did you not have a ton to choose from? So my wife is, um, she's a, child of immigrants. Um, so her parents are, her dad is from Iran and her mom is from Germany. And so we initially were looking really to kind of get as close as we could get from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, health was number one, but so looking in that way was, was challenging. That was a pretty niche, um, like type of donor to try and find. So ultimately we really didn't end up finding that, but, um, that was one of our one of our things that we were looking for. I think more than anything, we were looking for certainly health, you know, I don't know how to talk about it, like intelligence, <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. And just someone who was a kind person because you they give you so much information on these donor profiles. And so we were able to kind of piece that out from right. Were you reading essays? Did you listen to any videos or recordings <laughs> or anything like that? We well, we did. I will say our current donor, I couldn't bring myself to listen to his interview for whatever reason, um, just because it is a little bit weird. And it it just gives it, it makes it almost too personal sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just how we are. I don't know if everyone's that way, but so, but we did lots of essays, um, you know, you're deep diving into their family health history and it feels just sort of weird, (laughs) I think, but it is helpful to get all that info and yeah, just, it's a tough decision to make for sure. But yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Okay. So you did the retrieval and then Mm -hmm. how long before you guys what, what happened with the embryos and all that? So we ended up doing the genetic genetic testing um, because of my age. And um, when it was all said and done, so we had the, the 29 eggs retrieved, but we had eight embryos and then six of them were genetically normal. So we were, we felt very good about that. Um, that was more than we were anticipating. And of course, because of now kind of being in the infertility realm, I've seen so many stories that and also listen to your, your podcast of, you know, they're very different than that. Um, mm-hmm. so we had no idea what to expect. And so we were very glad that that was, that was our end result. So they were all frozen and they were, you know, five day and looked, looked good grade wise and all that. So we moved forward with our first transfer in 
August. So we had a couple months in between the retrieval and the transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were so excited. Um, you know, it, I thought it was going to feel just like an IUI because we had every single thing that we have done in this, um, in trying to start our family has been, or grow our family has been, um, so clinical. And so I was like, you know, this isn't going to feel that much different. Um, but it, it really did, you know, we got to see the embryo and our doctor made it just an amazing experience. And so we left there kind of with a renewed hope, I think, um, mm-hmm. I really think going into the transfer, I had a really hard time feeling like it was different than the, the, you know, the way we'd been doing things before. So we left there feeling very good. Yeah. Nine days later, we had our beta and I had, had taken some tests prior and they were negative, but I had convinced myself that maybe, you know, this was okay and it had worked, um, but it did not. So uh, I'm um, sorry. That's so crushing. <laughs> how did it feel when you got the news? Like what, how did you guys? Um, it was kind of grieve that. Um, it was hard. I, I think like it's, I think prior to going through this, I, I never okay. would have understood how much, I don't know if it's attachment or what you, you would have to an embryo. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I'm not to get political, but I'm very pro-choice and all of that. And, but it, it just was like, uh, this whole different experience of like, this is, this is a huge loss, you know, it felt like a huge loss. And so definitely it was tough. Um, so we, we both really grieved that for, yeah. For a bit. I'd love to point out here, you know, for anybody who's listened to this show consistently, you've probably heard this before, but if you are new here, you know, we always talk about how a loss is a loss. A loss of an embryo is really hard. And I hope that, you know, we can start to kind of realize that and give ourselves the grace of that and give our, let ourselves be extremely sad because you're not only losing a dream. It's like, what could have been, it's a potential child, you know, it's, it's heavy. It's really heavy. And I think sometimes you know, it gets brushed under the rug a little bit in society of people who aren't doing this. They're like, well, it wasn't really an actual baby or, you know, whatever they say, but you and I know, and so many other people listening that it is so hard. A loss is a loss. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, by that point, you've gone through so much to get there and then it's just, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. I think, yeah. And, and that was a, you know, we do have, some people that we were confiding in with all of this. And I think that there are, there were some folks who just like, couldn't, couldn't quite understand the loss, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. that's no fault of their own. It's just, it kind of adds to the loneliness. I think in a lot of ways where it's the, the whole idea of like, well, just, just try again, or, you know, sit. there've been a number of points through this where people have asked, you know, why doesn't your wife just try? And, you know, like, because I, I really want this. And I, right. I don't think you would say that to anyone else of like, you know, completely. Like, why don't you just give up? Like, <laughs> no. So yeah. So we, that was, that was hard. And that, um, we found out, I think it was two days before my birthday, um, that it had failed. And so we just had a pretty rough time for that, that little, I think it was a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. we decided to reach out to the clinic and figure out when we could try again. And that happened much more quickly than we anticipated. So we ended up having our second try on October 22nd. And then on Halloween, um, <laughs> we found out that that transfer <laughs> was successful. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I still can't say that without crying. <laughs> oh, um, so we happy are, tears. 
Yeah. Yes, they are. And I just loaded tears. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. All the um, tears. Tell me about that. Did you feel differently from the first transfer? Like, did you feel pregnant or did you have any other kind of indications or inklings that maybe it had worked? You know, I felt I wasn't pr- particularly hopeful. I'm not going to lie. And I don't know if that's just, that was my, myself protecting <laughs> me or trying to protect me from, you know, an- another disappointment or another heartache. Um, mm-hmm. So we just kind of went through our, our week. We love Halloween. So like, it was really well-timed actually that we had that distraction of just like, you know, we had like Halloween party and mm-hmm. all of that. So we were really focused on that. I kind of, and I also think I've stopped or at that point I had stopped trusting my, any symptoms that I thought I was feeling because there had been so many times during our IOI journey that I was like, this is definitely it. <laughs> like I'm feeling this, this way. Right. Um, so I think I really was questioning like the things that were actually happening. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, which is a little bit, I don't know, just crazy making, but yeah. So, yeah. But I will say I, there were things that were concretely happening that, you know, I had like a little bit of the implantation spotting. I, um, had weird smell stuff for sure. Um, where I was like, I could smell things my wife couldn't and, mm-hmm. you know, like really sensitive to, to some things. Um, but I wrote that off or I was like, it's probably just, you know, whatever. And then I lost my appetite completely like for two days. And so that was the two days prior to our, our first beta. So that kind of made me think like, mm something might be up. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, I could not bring myself to take a test before our blood blood draw. So I, my wife was very, <laughs> she was not happy about that. Um, no, she wasn't mad, but you know what I mean? She was, she really wanted to take a test and I just couldn't do it. I, I was like, I want to live in this little bubble right now if we can, you know? So the day of the beta, so on Halloween, early morning, we, um, I did take a test. Like I'd like to know before, you know, I can't imagine getting that, just getting that through our, you know, patient portal or whatever. Yes. Um, so yeah. So took the test. I couldn't look at it. I <laughs> it was just like, I just could not bring myself to do it. And so she had come down, um, you know, like 7 AM and she looked at it and looked at me and said, do you want to, do you know, know what it says? <laughs> and I said, no, <laughs> yes. Um, and she told me there were two lines and <laughs> so oh I did not think I was going to get this emotional. No, um, it's so emotional. Yeah, so we um, both immediately, you know, burst into tears and we're so happy and all that. Um, I will say it was a bit of a roller coaster. Our first Absolutely. was pretty low. Um, okay. We had this, like, we were super, you know, over the moon. And then we get the blood test back and we were like, oh. What were the numbers? Do you remember? Yeah, it was so the first one was 48 and this is our nine days after our transfer. And so the, our, our nurse told us that they usually look for 50 as like the lowest. And so we were like, I don't know what to, you know, what that, what that's going to look like mm-hmm. for us. And so they wanted to repeat the beta every two days for, I think they just did it two more times. So that was excruciating. I mean, yes. Oh my God. That waiting is so, <sighs> so brutal. Terrible. Yeah. How did you get through that? Like, what did you do to distract yourself? Oh my gosh. I am not good at that. So really I just, (laughs) nothing. I didn't do Mm -hmm. anything. I, Mm -hmm. at this point, I just wallowed and obsessed for this one. I think I'd gotten better at the like two week wait, you know, of like staying distracted, but this way it was a game. So I don't know. We just put our heads down and got through it. So, but the second one came back and, you know, we were again, very nervous. Um, 
but it came back at 98. So we were like, all right, we just doubled. <laughs> so it was like, okay. Okay. Like, is that good? Um, and I think at this point, our excitement was a little bit like, uh, what's, ha- what's going to happen here. So we went two days later, two excruciating days later for the third one. And our number was, I think it was like 292. So it had tripled from, you know, the second one to the third one. Okay. Um, so at that point it was like, good, this is good. Um, doctors said, this is great. Uh, we will schedule you for this ultrasound. So we were hesitantly excited, I think, mm-hmm. um, at that point, because we were like, I, you know, you read all these things that say the number doesn't really matter. What matters is if it's if it's actually going up in a certain way. But we felt like surely the rug's going to get pulled out from us again. So we had to wait, I think, three weeks for our first ultrasound. So my, our clinic did a, a seven-week ultrasound um, to be sure that you could see a heartbeat. So we go for that. And I was a mess. Uh, oh I, God, I'm sure the night before I was, I had convinced myself something was wrong and we were going to find out that, you know, it, everything was <laughs> of course, yes. Um, like it was, I don't know if I've ever felt like that. It was a very like, I don't know, stormy, dark feeling. And so we go the next morning and we're, we have to ride a full hour in the car to get there. And that mm. was terrible. So we get there and there's a very strong heartbeat. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. Did you just burst into tears when you heard I the heartbeat? Did. I did. And <laughs> the best sound in the world. Oh, it's amazing. And so, I just got know, the chills. I know. Yeah. I, ju- I still remember that. Like it's, it's visceral. <sighs> you know, I remember that it's, so, oh, the stakes are so high and it's so nerve wracking. Yeah. And then they had us come back a week later um, for another one. And of course, in that time I had, um, this isn't TMI, but I had some like spotting that made me sure again that something was, you know, was yeah. terrible. Oh, uh, there's no TMI on this show. Uh, you know that yeah, you, you listen, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so we went for the, the follow-up ultrasounds and we were both really nervous again because I'd had spotting that had turned a little bit pink and like, you know, it was just so scary. Um, but again, we had a very strong heartbeat and baby had grown exactly as, um, it should have. So that was a huge relief. And then we graduated from our clinic. So now we are out in the wild, um, just as. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Don't you feel like the graduation from the clinic is so nerve wracking too? Like you're like, no, I don't want to go. This is my security blanket. Yes. Um, you yes. know, it's bittersweet. Obviously you want to get to that point, but it's hard. Yeah. We, um, we honestly weren't expecting it that early either. We thought like, okay, they're going to, you know, stay with us, um, at least through, cause they, our clinic has, you do the, um, progesterone until 10 weeks. I think there's, everybody's a little bit different. And so we were like, surely we'll be with them through the 10 weeks, but nope, they just <laughs> sent yeah. us out. And what's, what's the latest? I've been okay. I've been very tired. Um, I think more than anything, there's just been wicked anxiety and I, you know, it's, that's been tough, but I'm sure that anyone who's gone through any kind of infertility has um, experienced that. So absolutely, it's it's kind of a feeling of like, am I ever going to be able to relax with this pregnancy? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, anytime I am feeling the symptoms, which um, mine haven't been severe, but they're definitely there. Um, very grateful for that and <laughs> feel reassured. So, but yeah, mostly tired and you know some nausea here and there. So. Is there anything you want to share with, you know, people who might be listening, same sex couples in particular, who are just feeling 
lost or alone or not so hopeful, anything that you can share with them? I think especially as far as same-sex couples go, for us connecting with people, even people we don't actually know, um, has been huge. There are resources out there. You have to dig for them, but there are blogs and, and things that people have gone through similar journeys. But I think it can be an especially isolating um, feeling for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think that would probably be my my biggest thing. That's been what's really held us up has been finding yeah just other other people to connect with. Um, Are you cool if people reach out to you via Instagram and everything? Yeah, absolutely. That was. I mean, honestly, that's why we started ours. We were like, we we wanted this. <laughs> we wish we had found this early on. And so yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I absolutely would love that. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I think it's so important to share these same-sex couple stories as well. If you have one of your own, please reach out to me. They're never enough to be told in my opinion. So happy to share some more in our next season and as we move forward. So thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to check out Fertility Rally for some extra support. You can go to our website at fertilityrally.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Fertility Rally. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at infertileafstories. I'm happy to DM with you, answer any questions, or just be there for you if you need anything. So thanks so much. Talk to you guys next time.